In today's episode, we are continuing with part three of Serving Our Special Populations Heal from Sexual Violence during our first annual Sexual Violence Awareness Avocation. Peace and light, family. This is Elegant Granny, your creator and host of the Proactive Eye Podcast. Last week, we went further into the special populations we serve and what they need from their supporters. The marginalized groups discussed last week were the LGBTQ community, immigrants and non-English speaking, cultural and religious segments, African-American community, and college students. Today, we have a few more to add to the pot, beginning with service members and law enforcement officials. Some concerns for these individuals are for male or female service members and law enforcement officers who are victims of sexual or domestic violence. Fear may exist that they will be judged by their colleagues for not being able to handle their offender. If the offender is someone within the military or law enforcement department, a victim may fear rejection by other service members or coworkers. Victims who are service members may fear retaliation in the form of emotional abuse, physical punishment, demotion, or even dishonorable discharge. Some victims who are service members are concerned that they will not be isolated or displaced during an investigation and may have to face the offender on a regular basis. For victims who experience sexual violence or abuse at the hands of a military member or law enforcement official, fear that the system will protect the offender may exist. Additionally, these offenders have access to information, reports, and resources like the location of the domestic violence shelter, which prohibits the victims from feeling safe when leaving. Finally, these offenders have legal access to deadly weapons and know how to manipulate the system. Needs and services for these victims are Victims should be assured that sexual and domestic violence can happen to anyone, regardless of how trained they are to handle offenders or intervene in physical altercations. Advocates and companions should emphasize the availability of support that is available as well as confidentiality standards. Advocates and companions should respect the reporting decision of the victim, but offer accompaniment services should the victim change his or her mind. For victims who report, advocates and companions should emphasize that the victim can receive accompaniment service during meetings with command staff. Additional safety planning, especially in the case of protection from deadly weapons, needs to occur. There are special concerns for our victims who are sex workers as well. Victims who prostitute often have a long history of being abused or disappointed by people who they thought were supposed to love them. They may not easily establish a trusting relationship with people who want to provide assistance. Victims who prostitute may self-blame or think they deserve what happened to them. Victims who prostitute often have negative experiences with law enforcement and the criminal justice system and may not have a desire to report. Victims who prostitute 
are oftentimes under the influence of mind-altering and sometimes illegal substances during the assault or while seeking assistance. Because sex work is illegal in most of the U.S., many sex workers come across barriers in assessing financial, health, legal, and educational services. Many do not report their assaults due to fear of disbelief, judgment, arrest, and even sexual assault by law enforcement. Special needs and services for our sex workers are Advocates and companions may need to take it slow when attempting to develop a rapport with victims who prostitute and be quick to forgive a cold or even insulting reception. Many victims self-blame or feel that they contributed to their own assault. Shame and guilt are common emotional responses to many forms of sexual and domestic dating violence, but victims should not be told how they should or should not feel. With that said, advocates and companions should let the victim know that the assault was not their fault and that they do not deserve what happened to them. Advocates should not indicate any judgment over the victim's lifestyle choices, but should offer assistance if the victim expresses a desire to change certain behaviors. Victims who are under the influence of mind-altering substances may or may not be allowed to enter a shelter environment. Therefore, other safety planning may be required. Additionally, these victims may not be able to make well-informed decisions about receiving assistance or reporting, and they may not remember a lot of the details of their assault or even the reporting process. Advocates should exercise patience in explaining options and available services. Advocates should be careful not to label victims who prostitute as prostitutes. Prostitution is what they do, not who they are. Moving into our victims of human trafficking, some special concerns for them are victims have been incredibly isolated from support systems and may even believe that family would not want them back if they knew what the victim had been involved in. In fact, some victims may have been sold into human trafficking by family. Victims may be hesitant to leave the only family they know now, pimps and other human trafficking victims. Victims may have had bad experiences with law enforcement and may fear judgment when reporting. Even victims who have not experienced any interaction with law enforcement may have been told horror stories by pimps and other victims. Because pimps sometimes change the identity of a victim or use their identity to commit financial crimes, victims may find it difficult to report without fear of being arrested for crimes their pimps committed using the victim's identity. And lastly, human trafficking victims may need assistance with applying for visas and other services that traditional domestic violence shelters are not familiar with. Needs and services for victims who have experienced human trafficking are advocates should stress the importance of medical attention and should emphasize safety planning. Human trafficking victims are at particular risk of not being noticed if they go missing. Victims of human trafficking should be assured that new and safe support systems are available if she or he chooses to break free from familiar support systems that are detrimental to the change she considers making. Human trafficking victims should be encouraged to seek medical treatment for STDs or STIs 
and the advocate should be careful not to put up any emotional or physical boundaries when learning of the STDs or STIs or abortions. Strong emotional support is imperative to the human trafficking victim's ability to heal and regain confidence, as well as regain a sense of value. Advocates should be careful to keep the victim's confidence and trust at all times and assure the victim that his or her past does not define his or her future. We also have special concerns for victims who are incarcerated. Incarcerated victims have already had negative experiences with the criminal justice system and may fear that their assault will be minimized or ignored. When seeking safety from another inmate, the only option available to an inmate may be isolation, which may further victimize him or her. Incarcerated victims who are assaulted or abused by correctional facility staff may fear retaliation or may fear that the facility will minimize or ignore the incident. Incarcerated victims may have difficulty assessing services or receiving emotional support. Because condoms and birth control are not readily available in the correctional facility setting, victims may feel contracting STDs and STIs or getting pregnant. Incarcerated victims who are in a correctional facility because they committed a sex offense may fear that no one will assist them. Needs and services for victims who are incarcerated are the assault or abuse of an incarcerated victim is investigated by both the correctional facility and the law enforcement agency in the jurisdiction of offense. Advocates and companions should offer companionship services to incarcerated victims throughout the entire criminal justice procedure. Victims who may be put in isolation for their safety should be encouraged to utilize hotline services for emotional support. Victims who fear retaliation by staff should continue to report each act of violence and even request a transfer if possible. Victims should be advised that they can receive treatment for STDs and STIs as well as pregnancy testing and Plan B. Incarcerated victims are afforded certain protections by the Prison Rape Elimination Act, also known as PREA. Advocates and companions should always be evaluating whether or not the victim is being afforded their rights. Now let's move into serving victims who are physically disabled. Research has shown that women with disabilities and deaf women experience violence at extremely high rates and in different ways from their peers without disabilities. It is also shown that women with disabilities and deaf women have limited access to vital safety and support services offered by social service organizations and the criminal justice system. Perpetrators of sexual assault may target women with disabilities for many reasons. Some perpetrators may perceive that women with disabilities and deaf women tend to be socially or physically isolated and can be easily manipulated into trusting someone. Others might exploit the fact that oftentimes these victims and survivors tend to not report such experiences to others. And while many of these perceptions are based in stereotypes about people with disabilities in general, they can affect the safety of some women. It is also important to note that women with disabilities are not often believed when they report a sexual assault. This can most definitely also be a reason for increased risk 
as perpetrators will believe they will not be caught or prosecuted. There are five major types of victims with physical disabilities. Wheelchair-bound, visually impaired, hearing impaired, dwarfism, and obese. Because victims with physical disabilities are most often abused or assaulted by people within their family or limited social circles, victims may be emotionally, physically, and or financially dependent upon the offender or abuser. Victims who are paralyzed or missing limbs may be hesitant to consider a shelter due to the limited availability of handicap accessible rooms. These victims may also be self-conscious when needing assistance undressing for an exam in the ER or climbing onto the examination bed. Additionally, these victims may have to assume awkward or even painful positions during the exam if they do not have fully functioning body parts. Victims who are visually impaired may be intimidated by the sounds in unfamiliar settings like shelters and hospitals. Additionally, Victims will not be able to see the medical tools used during a pelvic exam. Finally, visually impaired victims cannot see their offender or abuser should she or he show up where the victim is attempting to get assistance. Victims who are deaf or have hearing impairments may not fully comprehend what professionals are explaining to them and may be too embarrassed or overwhelmed by their assault to ask for clarification. These victims may be isolated from other residents within a shelter setting and during a pelvic exam. Victims who cannot hear the explanation of certain medical tools may feel fearful of their appearance. Victims who are diagnosed with dwarfism are typically very short in stature and may experience humiliation getting undressed in front of others or climbing onto an exam bed in the ER. Their mobility and ability to climb stairs easily may be impacted by their disability. These victims may also have a history of feeling emotionally abused by the general population. Obese victims may feel sexually undesirable and may question why they were sexually assaulted or may suffer from self-esteem issues that are prohibitive to the victim leaving a domestic violence relationship. Obese victims may struggle with mobility or be concerned with body odor issues. Also, they may feel more self-conscious when undressing in front of others. As we service them, victims with physical disabilities should be assured that new and safe circles of support exist to assist the victim and to replace unhealthy support systems. Advocates should make every effort to predict and accommodate the special needs of wheelchair-bound victims in the emergency room and or shelter setting. Advocates should not pull or push on victims who suffer from a visual impairment. Instead, the victim should be allowed to guide him or herself by the advocate's arm. Service dogs should be accommodated in all settings, as it is required by law and is extremely important to the victim's emotional stability. During a pelvic exam, advocates should allow the victim to hear complete explanations of the medical tools being used on them, and they should be sensitive to the fears of the victim that they may have about their offender showing up without their knowledge. Advocates should carefully assess whether or not the victim truly understands or hears 
if they have hearing impaired. What the allied professionals are explaining to them. Advocates may opt to pair a hearing impaired victim with an appropriate fellow victim in the shelter setting to make sure that victim feels included and supported. During pelvic exams, hearing impaired victims should be given extra time to view medical tools that will be used on them. To communicate by phone, victims who are hearing impaired can be referred to their state's relay or the TTY lines for sexual assault response program and the domestic violence program. When dealing with dwarfism, advocates should be mindful of privacy and modesty concerns, assistance, or may refuse assistance. Advocates should arrange for housing that meets their physical needs and should be careful not to put the victim in social situations that could result in ridicule. Obese victims may need to be educated on the fact that regardless of how they feel about their desirability, sexual violence is an act of power. Obese victims of domestic violence may need to work on building confidence with an advocate before they will opt to leave an abuser. The reality is, a great number of them won't leave until their level of confidence is built. Advocates should be careful to respect the privacy and modesty of the needs of these victims. Hopefully, I have said something in this episode to help you be mindful of things people in marginalized populations experience as they are on their journey to heal from sexual violence. You are a great asset in this world, and it is very important after a life of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. Let us know in the voice message on the Anchor app or by email at proactiveeye at gmail.com some things you do to help yourself recover. We'd love to get your perspective on why those things are valuable to you, and we also would love to hear your story. This concludes Part 3 of our Sexual Violence Awareness Avocation Session. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with us and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit our blog at bit.ly forward slash PE podcast blog. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash PE podcast blog. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter the handle is at Proactive Eye. And also on Facebook, the handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit us again. And remember, healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family. Stay tuned next week for our final installment of our first annual sexual violence awareness avocation.